Welcome to Coruscant Radio Underground, the weekly Star Wars podcast at thesciencefictionary.com. I'm Daniel Peoples, and joining me tonight are Marisha Gore. Hello, everyone. And as usual, the walking Wikipedia himself, Andrew Gore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, glad you're here and glad you found us and hope you enjoy the show. We've got a good one planned. We're going to jump right in and talk a little bit of Episode 9 casting news tonight. Woo-woo! Um, I'm sure everybody has seen the list of all the uh, the cast announcements. Uh, Daniel, uh, yep. what jumped out at you other than the obvious? I mean, obviously, we got Carrie Fisher back, mm-hmm. you know, but just as far as returning characters or new characters... What really stood out? Um, I get excited anytime I see Richard Grant's name attached to anything. Yes. Um, so that one I'm excited about, and that's a character that, as far as I know, his casting, his character hasn't been confirmed yet. I would assume probably a new villain of some kind. He's mm-hmm. He played a really good villain in Logan. The, oh, that, that's I the kind of role I'd like to see him have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... That's the kind of character I'd like to see on play. And there is a report for a new for a new villain in the film. So that seems the most obvious choice for him. I get excited time I see that. Well, um, and he's got such a, you know. Everybody else is, yeah. And everybody else is, is, is either a returning character or or an actor or an actress that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, there's not Naomi a lot of new names. Ag- yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure who Naomi Aki is. Um, never seen her in anything. Um, she doesn't have just a whole lot. Uh, on her, a lot of on British, her list. A lot of British television. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, which is always kind of interesting, you know, because that's kind of what you expect from Star Wars is to see people you've never really seen before. I mean, there there's always kind of the exceptions. There's always the, uh, you know, Liam Neeson's, you know, that come up periodically. Uh, but in general. Well, that was always, when Lucas ran Star Wars, that was always the hallmark was a lot of unknowns with some big names sprinkled in. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was a, that was a Lucas thing, not just for star Wars. He always liked working with unknown actors yeah. and actors he never hired before. He didn't give Harrison Ford an audition right away because he had worked with him in American graffiti already. So, yeah. so I thought it's kind of funny. I didn't even remember that Richard Grant had been in Logan because the thing that I remember him from was the Scarlet Pimpernel that was made like in the mid nineties. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. So see, I'm I'm not just this kind of nerd. I'm also a special kind of nerd that watches historical dramas in my free time. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It, you know, he's younger. Younger Richard Grant played some different kind of characters. I just I really like him as a kind of a villain, sort of a. Well, that's what, character, act, though, that's so. what British actors are for, right? Is to play bil- villains. Mm. Yeah, there's a commercial about that, I think. Yeah, the British yeah actors it was, it was pretty great. Unless they're uh, Patrick Stewart, you know. He, I guess he's kind of the exception to the the rule. Well, I don't know. Have you seen Conspiracy Theory? No. He's the bad guy in that with Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts. But anyway, okay. a different subject. <laughs> <laughs> the other one we already discussed, the, you know, the other uh, new addition was, of course, Carrie Russell. The longer we go with that, the more convinced. Now that she's actually confirmed, I guess when we discussed it before, she was rumored. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now she's confirmed, and I, I'm just convinced that she's going to play a villain. I'll be a little surprised if all well, three but, of these na- new names aren't villains of some kind. Well, we maybe, but like you know, most of our uh, an awful lot of characters have died 
on the resistant side of the coin. And, That's true. You know, we're going to certainly see some new faces as they've gone out and recruited new people mm-hmm. to come in. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. I hadn't. That that is true. We'll see some new faces in the resistance. You would think, if there's going to be the time jump that we're hearing about, you would think they would have gathered some support since then. So right. Well, and we've you know we've got a little uh, filming location news that we'll get into in a little bit, and you know some of these characters could be characters that are going to pop up in some of these new locations as well. You know, they may not necessarily right. be on either side. It'll right. be interesting to see. Because it sounds like there may be some galaxy trotting happening, so it'll be interesting to uh, see how it how it's handled in contrast to the Last Jedi. Cause there's a lot of you know there's a good bit of galaxy trotting going there too, so it'll be interesting right, to see. Yeah, but yeah there's we'll, a lot of different locations. I'm not sure mm-hmm. I believe all of this. That's a lot of different locations. It to is. Try to it really is, and uh, we'll get into all that in a minute on some you know some speculation on on what all that means. And, and it, not, you know, not necessarily a not necessarily a lot of locations to try to shoot, but it's a lot of locations to try to fit into a two and a half hour film. Like it is, yeah. You know, how many scenes can you have in each of these places? Well, especially if you're going to have your the same character, if it's going to be the same characters jumping from location to location. Hyperdrive. Then again, the, so then again, they've promised that everything's going to come full circle in this movie uh, to tie all mm-hmm. three trilogies together. So who knows? Um, and you know, we may end up with a little bit longer movie as long as we don't end up with a, a return of the King ending where we have 10 endings, but yeah, but I don't know, just because each one of them felt like an ending. There were a lot yeah, of well, endings had, in the book too, <laughs> in, yeah, in their defense. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and they, they, but was, and what did, but people, what did people get offended about? Because they cut out the Shire ending. So they like made it one less ending and people were offended. We gotta be offended about something, I guess. What else would we talk about if we were offended about something? <laughs> yeah, welcome to the twenty first century. <laughs> right. So so another character or another actress that was already on board really was a background character in episode seven, had a few lines in episode eight. Uh Billy Lord as uh Lieutenant yep. Connix. Do yes. either of y'all think that she might play a bigger role She's in the in this movie? I don't, but I would like for her to. I she's, think a lot of people would kind of like to see her do more. Um, I think she's and, she's been a really popular character for somebody who's showed up as little as she has. Right, but she, she's she got a little bit of a fan following already. From yeah. Things like Scream Queens. and she, She's a good actress. I mean, they can give her more to do. Uh yeah, I'm I'm hoping to see her step know, into a little bit bigger role, but I just I don't know if there's going to be space for it in this movie mm-hmm. to have anybody else step up with a very big role. Probably not, and especially kind of what it seems like her role is in the Resistance anyway doesn't really lend itself to a lot of. But you know, again, we're having a time jump; she may have more responsibilities. Yeah. So, you know, they could always make it work. I just kind of. I hate saying what's popping in my head, but it's it's almost like I wonder if she wasn't cast just as a, a cool little thing. We'll cast Carrie's daughter. You know uh, what I mean? Oh, I'm sure that well, was. It, a- yeah, I think I think the episode seven casting. I, I definitely think that's why she's there. But they did they did give her a little more in episode eight. So I'm curious to see if they do anything else with her nine. I'm not convinced they will because. 
just looking down the list of, of people, you know, with, with Mark Hamill officially back on board now, he's going to he's going to occupy some screen time as well as the new, you know, trifecta of, of Daisy Ridley, Adam, uh, not Adam Driver. Um, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac and John Boyega. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to occupy the screen time. Right. And the, the, the rumors now is what I've been hoping for from the start is that they're going to get some more screen time together. The three yes, of them we would together like to see are going that. to be, they're, yeah. they're, they're going to be together most of this film. I would hope doing whatever it is they're doing. Well, and that's, that's the thing. The original trilogy followed a group of people on this journey together mm-hmm. where this new trilogy and, and even the, the prequels are the same. It's, it's a group that's on a journey together. Mm-hmm. And this movie so far has been kind of, or this trilogy so far has been kind of fragmented uh, as far as the storytelling, as far as you've got, I don't think we've ever like in the originals, I, you know, we might have things happening in two locations at once, right? but never really more than that. And, mm-hmm. and this one, like we've kind of been all over the place at, you know, in multiple time. Yes. And it, it it's felt kind of, I don't know. A little more fragmented, I, mean, really, I think. Maybe a little less cohesive in some ways. I think in episode eight, it served the story that was there. Now, whether or not how much we liked that story or not, for the most part, is a whole other matter. But they did all have something to do. They all three had a substantial amount of screen time. It's just never been on screen at the same at time. The same and we time, didn't even... Right. We didn't even get Ray and Poe's official introduction until the last <laughs> right. two minutes of Last Jedi. And it I don't even know so why bizarre. they. It's like, it, oh, it, wait it a was, sec. Yeah, wait a minute. We've had these two, two of our top three build actors have never been never on screen together. Mm-hmm. Right. But I didn't even I didn't so, even like make that connection until they had like their little hurried introduction there. Which I guess is probably why they did it to be like, oh look, mm-hmm. hey everybody, you know, kind of pay attention. But also though, it didn't. It doesn't make any sense whenever you think about it that even though it wasn't on screen, at the end of a Force Awakens, they all went back to the Resistance base, and Ray was there for a while before she left to find Luke. You know, you don't think that they're they both care about Finn. They didn't meet going and checking on Finn. That's true. I, I mean, think about that. you know, whatever it, it is, what it is. I just, I would like to see those three actors spend some more time together on screen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm just curious, like, you know, there's so many, so many names here. Like we've got uh Billy D Williams back. All right. So the kind of the thing that I'm wondering is looking down this list. I mean, it's a substantial list. You have, of course, got Anthony Daniels coming back. Chewbacca is going to be back. Billy D Williams showing up. Um, You've got Kelly Marie Tran coming back, which I was actually happy to see that she hasn't run for the hills and is coming back to do another movie. Uh, Domhnall Gleeson still. Um, it's it's just the thing that I wonder is how do you give that's a lot of characters for a Star Wars movie. Yeah, and the the reports I keep seeing is Maz Kanata is going to get more screen time. Lieutenant Connix is going to get more screen time. It's like every everybody they bring up, they're like, and this person's going to get more screen time. It's like, there isn't that much screen time. Right. Now, I will say, some of based on some of the rumors that we're going to get into, I do hope that Maz Kanata has a little more screen time in this one. Mm-hmm. Because I still think she's the one that can tell the story that, that binds it all back together. 
Yeah. Well, definitely. Because that... she kind of alluded to, like, yeah, there's a story, and we'll tell it later, back in The Force right. Awakens. And I did read, you know, and we're all just reading rumors. I saw any of this stuff oh, yeah. is, is rumors at the moment. That, But, you know, the idea that she and Lando together can fill in the blanks of how she got that lightsaber. Because I'm kind of getting the impression that, and what's sort of starting to make sense to me is that Maz and Lando's stories in this film are going to kind of converge. It's, there's, there's a lot of story to tell in this movie. And, and there's other questions like I have want to know what y'all both think about this is the fact that we've we've heard about the knights of ren in both movies are the knights of ren going to make an appearance there are rumors that there's a group of guys (laughs) Uh, hey i mean what else is there to talk and Uh, let's not kid ourselves jj abrams is making this movie there's not going to be anything but rumors for a really long time um but it's going to be lies but yeah because he lies there are rumors that there's a group of like 20 year old guys that are doing combat training with Adam driver. So if mm-hmm. that's true, that would stand to reason that they probably are the Knights of Ren. But of course, will they be doing, will they be in a flashback? Will they actually be there? Well, where have they been for the last two movies? I, th- I think it would make sense for them to actually be there in time. We no longer have Kylo Ren. He is Supreme leader Ren. It's true. So, I think much like Snoke, you know, much like the Emperor had his Imperial Guard and Snoke had his his guard that Ray and Kylo kicked the shit out of in Episode Eight, he'll he'll surround himself with surround himself with the Knights of Ren. I think I think that's what makes sense. That makes um, sense. That's a good way to introduce them. And and you don't you know maybe you just need a three or four minute scene just to kind of fill in the blank of who they are and what they do and why they were supposed to be important to this story when JJ first envisioned right. it. And Ryan Johnson abandoned it. They didn't even get mentioned in episode eight. So Yeah, they definitely talked about it. Well the Knights of Ren were mentioned in there. eight. Snoke mentions them in the throne room when he's he's the in the first scene where he's talking, or maybe in the scene where Ray's there. But definitely Snoke mentions that Kylie Wren was the you know, the leader the of leader the Knights of, of Ren. The Knights of Ren. Well yeah, but I mean I remember that part, but they didn't really get uh, but yeah, I mean your point's taken, you're right. But still, though, we still don't know anything about them. And we've mm. never seen them on screen except in a flashback. And I, I'm curious. I want to know if they're going to show up or if we're going to find out something else happened to them along the way. That would just feel like a cop-out. It would, except that for some reason, I've always kind of had in my head that maybe Kylo Ren has killed the Knights of Ren. Then, then at some point, there was a dispute and he killed the rest of them. He clearly doesn't do confrontation well. I'm not sure about that. I don't think that that's... Maybe not. And I mean, it's all speculation. Um, all right, let's all put our I'm, money. Who's my, right, Daniel My problem or with uh, where they went with Kylo Ren in the second, in, in episode eight, was that in episode seven, he's completely obsessed with... Vader. With Vader, Vader and by that, the Sith. In episode eight, like, there's no mention of it. You know, basically, nope, he just totally turns around and says... You know, it's time to kill the past. Right. Which is another interesting thing in of itself is that that's the villain's mantra in that movie, but it seems to be what people think the theme of that movie is. Well, that is kind of the direction it went. It yeah. is right up until the end way. when Yoda tells Luke that that's wrong. Yeah. Ooh. You know, because in, in some ways, in some ways during that film, Luke plays the role of villain right up until the end. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going that far. 
He's definitely not the hero. Well, don't make me say the words Luke Skywalker and Villain in the same sentence. <laughs> you don't have to do it. Andrew already but said I'm, it. I mean, he, he's he's not the full-on villain. I mean, we already have our villain. He's not, but he's, he's, he's no, fallen into the was, trap of repeating the mantra that the villains are repeating. And it's Yoda that shows him that he's wrong, which is when he decides to make his appearance on Crate. But in that same scene, Luke's on his way to destroy the tree and the Jedi text. And then when Yoda actually does it, Luke gets upset. So, I mean, I don't know. Well, he's clearly conflicted. I think that's kind of the whole point is that he's just, he's not at peace with himself or anything else. He's just, he's kind of a mess. Uh, yeah. And Yoda's message there is that we learn from our mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that we pretend like the they never happened. He's the one who actually destroys the past. I mean, that's not practical anyway. You can't just burn the past. The past, you know, it makes us who we are. Right. And I do think in that moment, he's actually just trying to show Luke that the, the Jedi texts themselves aren't important. It's the experiences that we've gone through along the way. That those are the things you have to learn from your own failures. So what about uh, Domhnall Gleeson, General Hux? He was a character that also kind of took a weird turn between movies. In episode seven, he was a little more like he is. We don't see a lot of him in the in the books, uh, but he's there at the end of the Battle of Jakku as a right. child. His father is the man who has created the new program for um, for stormtroopers, uh, basically taking young children brainwashing and brainwashing them, them mm-hmm. to be stormtroopers. And his son, uh, general that becomes General Hux, is a complete sadist. At the time that, mm. even as a child, he's kind of a crazy person. And in Episode Seven, we kind of saw some hints of that. You know, the very, the very Nazi, speech yeah, the very, the very Hitler esque speech he gives, and some of the other stuff. And and then in Episode Eight, he just seemed like he was scared of everything. Well, yeah, but the first. The first thing you really see him in, he's failed, and uh, here comes Snoke. He's scared. I mean, yeah, he's scared of Snoke. Mm-hmm. So, and then, of course, I think he's more afraid of Kylo. Because Kylo's just as crazy as he is. It, like. But I, I'm wondering, like, what do you think the direction for that character might be going into Nine? He doesn't like Supreme I think Leader Ren. Yeah, he doesn't trust Kylo he at all. He doesn't trust him. He doesn't like him. He's afraid mm-hmm. of him. But that that's not generally. Feels like he should have been. I I think he's probably planning a coup. Yeah, I think um, I think that General Hux will likely play some sort of foil for for Kylo Ren. Yeah, these are two people who were the right and left hand of Supreme Leader Snoke, and they don't like each other. Right. Right. I think the original intent there was probably to draw a parallel between Vader and Tarkin. Yep. I think yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. But also felt like Tarkin and Vader had more respect for each other than uh, than Kylo and and Hooks have have had in these two movies. Yeah. But I think that was kind of what the parallel was supposed to be, and they are both actually more volatile than Tarkin or Vader. So it, you know, mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. Well, uh, and but I they can... would have different interactions with each other, but still draw that same parallel. Well, and it seems like Snoke intentionally antagonizes them toward each other. It's like parents who play favorites almost, you know, trying to manipulate, you know, he manipulates both of them using the other one. 
That's probably that's probably another parallel though. I think the emperor kind of does that too. Mm, not as much. The emperor has, if you kind of get into the the Tarkin book and some of those those things, and uh, the throne book, where you kind of see the emperor formulating his his inner circle as he prepares to oust the Senate. He he builds a group that definitely has a respect for one another. That's true. And they all come from similar places. It's, um, you know, Palpatine himself came from an outer rim planet. Mm -hmm. And when you start looking at his inner circle, they're all people that came from outer rim planets. Thrawn and, well, not Thrawn. um, Yeah, Thrawn. Well, yeah, I guess Thrawn, yeah. And uh, and Vader. Thrawn's not just that. Thrawn's not just the outer rim. Right, he's wild space. Unknown region. Yeah. Yeah. But he's a similar. He he he's he's also a very calculating kind of character. So he's he's kind of right up Palpatine's but, alley. But Palpatine builds a group that is far removed from the the aristocracy of the core planets. Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of get the impression that Palpatine just plays people differently than Snoke does, which I think is kind of reflected in the different kinds of followers he has. Um, and of course, I, I guess the big question going into this. You know, they, they've even said the other day, again, I know me and you have some difference of opinion on exactly what the Skywalker saga is, but they mentioned again the other day when they dropped this casting news, the final chapter of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, we're going to have this argument again. <laughs> no, I don't think we've had it on here yet. Okay. <laughs> so what does that well, mean? Here we go. Like, where are we going to Look, does- dude, I just kind of feel like in Andrew Gore's head, <laughs> it's only the Skywalker saga if the main character is a Skywalker. Well, that's kind of what... That kind of that? is what the, the definition of the Skywalker saga would entail, though, right? It's telling the story of the Skywalker got. family. If they make Ray a freaking Skywalker at this point, especially. I swear to God. I'm going to have a party. It, I'm going to be so happy. No. Why? Why? Because I wanted like, to hear what you would say. No, man. Come on now. Look. No, actually, I've we always kind of been... A... That, okay, so we'll, we'll go through this. Episode one, yeah, you begin with Anakin Skywalker. And all through episodes... One, two, three, four, five, and six, you are following Anakin. Anakin's alive in all six of those movies in one form or another. It is Anakin or is Darth Vader, and you're following his children. Okay, I get that. Luke's the main character, the main protagonist of four, five, and six. All right, now, that family, Luke and Leia, are still prominent figures even in this sequel trilogy. So all we're talking about here with the Skywalker saga is that we are fixing to wrap up the story that began with Anakin, that his family have played some sort of role in all the way to the beginning. It doesn't mean Ray has to be a Skywalker for that to work. Okay, but if if that's the story, and I'm not saying Ray's a Skywalker because I don't believe Ray's a Skywalker. Not anymore, you don't. But no, not anymore. But I certainly did before Episode Seven, and until I hear different out of J.J. Abrams' mouth, I'll believe that forever because of the <laughs> first trailer that dropped for that yeah. movie. And I never got that from that trailer. And Seriously? there have been actors from the movie, Simon Pegg being one of them, who has said that Ryan Johnson made a drastic change to JJ's intention for Ray. Really? Now, the trailer? I believe that. I will totally. I will. 
I will concede the fact that I think J.J., 90% chance J.J.'s idea was Ray was going to be a Skywalker, and I would have hated that. The one thing I was glad about with The Last Jedi is that she's not. So Probably. She's not. She's not. She's, she's not. probably not. She's probably not. I, I Ray's not going to be a Skywalker. No, I don't believe she's a Skywalker, but I do believe that this story ends with... Kylo Ren's redemption. I wouldn't mind that if it happens. It, I mean, I think but it's, it's going to happen, and I think that the main reason that they're bringing back Carrie Fisher and are going to have her die in this movie is because that is going to be the thing that's going to have the biggest impact on him. Mm-hmm. Is when his mother dies. He couldn't kill her himself. He tried. Had no problem killing Han, but look. Well, he's always been a little <laughs> bit more of a sob. <laughs> Kylo being redeemed. I've gone on record before on this podcast saying that thing we left episode eight with Kylo being a straight villain. He is being completely irredeemable. That's what Luke was trying to tell Ray the whole time she was on that island was there's no saving Kylo. Luke told Leia, I can't save him. Ray closes the door on him, basically the Millennium Falcon. She's that's that symbolic of her closing the door on any idea that she ever had that she could redeem him. I think they purposely left us in episode eight with him being an irredeemable character. Now, if they find some way to do it and have it make sense that I'll be satisfied with, I wouldn't mind it happening, but I I don't think it's going to happen. And I I do believe episode eight leaves me pretty well on the side of this is an irredeemable character. That he is completely, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm done. Okay. Um, Okay. So, is he is he more evil than Vader was? I mean, geez, walking into a temple and killing a whole bunch of six year old kids, that's pretty low. And that was just at the beginning of his descent into the dark side. And this is like his first big act was to go in and murder a bunch of children. I mean, if that didn't make somebody irredeemable, then I don't know what would. So if you can redeem that person, then you can't redeem Kylo Ren. Well, there's a reason that Darth Vader is one of, if not the best movie villains of all time. Because he's scary as all get out. So I'm not buying Kylo Ren being irredeemable. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I do kind of take issue with the Skywalker saga, the story of the Skywalker family ending with the only with the, the only surviving Skywalker being the villain. There may not be a surviving Skywalker when this is over. Which would be better for all of the galaxy people. Because Skywalkers, they've been kind of rough. I'm just saying. No, but you never told me. Okay, so is Kylo... I want you to go on the record. Is Kylo Ren more evil than Darth Vader? Daniel? Hold on a minute. (laughs) Let me... (laughs) Let me gather my thoughts about this one. Is Kylo Ren more evil than Darth Vader? I think, yes. And not defining it necessarily by their actions, but by the way they got there. Anakin spent his entire life being manipulated by Darth Sidious. And I know people, people, and I understand the parallel with, with Kylo, as Leia saying that it was Snoke that turned Kylo. That's fine. He wasn't in his presence every day, the way Anakin was. And Anakin was actually motivated by the promise that Palpatine could save Padme. That was his primary motivation in his original flip to the dark side was he was afraid of losing the people he loved. What is it? Uh, fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. And hate leads to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that were played upon there. 
He was afraid of losing Padme. He was motivated by his actions that he felt like he had to save Palpatine at the moment he cut Mace Windu's hand off. He was saving Palpatine because, as he said, I need him. And from that moment forward, he's serving Palpatine for the promise that he can save Padme. Once Padme dies and he's helped execute this Order 66, at that moment, Anakin's just in too deep. Kylo has over and over again decided to commit these evil acts and turn to the dark side for much more selfish reasons. It's not that he's in too deep, because since he's been in, he's now had two opportunities to come back to the light, mm-hmm. and hasn't. Okay. Anakin, for all we know, didn't have those opportunities until the moment he had Luke in that throne room and realized, this is my chance to... to he felt like it was too late for him. He had been Darth Vader for 20 years at that point and still managed once he had, but once he had Luke in that throne room with the threat of Luke fisting lose his life, he realized he could still come back to the light and do the right thing. Kylo's now had two opportunities to do that, that he failed to grasp. So in that sense, yes, I think Kylo was more irredeemable than Anakin. There's no excuse for anything Kylo has done. Okay, that's definitely a better uh, answer than anyone has given me here for, too, because they're like, no, because he killed Han Solo, which is terrible and all that. But I I think your motivation argument uh, definitely carries more weight than the he killed killed Han Solo argument. Okay, so I'll give you that one. I don't necessarily agree with you, but I will concede (laughs) that you have a good point. Okay. Now, I have a slightly <laughs> different take on Kylo Ren at the end of episode eight. Um, bum, bum, bum. Where don't don't give me he killed Snoke to save Ray because he didn't. He saw an opportunity to seize power. Oh, he, he absolutely he absolutely crap. did. But power wasn't the only thing he wanted there. He saw himself sitting at the head of the First Order with Ray at his side. He's kind of got the same sort of weird obsession with her that, that Anakin had with Padme, actually. There's this uh, maybe he didn't give her the, quite the creepy looks that Padme Anakin is. gives Padme though. Cause, <laughs> yeah, and Attack of the Clones, man, he he's... That, wasn't on that wasn't on purpose. That was supposed to be a true love story. That they just, <laughs> Anakin, uh, I, Kylo's creepy obsession with. Ray is supposed to be just that creepy. It is, and a lot of it we can assume it came out of the weird connection that the two had that they didn't understand. Yeah. That now they know was Snoke. The product of, right. But my, now my thing though is wondering, you know, he got what he wanted. He's, he's King. He's the, now the, the leader of the first order. And he's, he's sitting there with all the power, but he didn't get what he wanted. And how, you know, how that's going to affect him, I think is where, we can see some interesting things happen in episode nine. I do not ship Kylo and Ray. Oh, I do not either. Doesn't, yes, he didn't get what he wanted, but how does that make him? That's not, that's not a redeemable quality still, Andrew. No, that's not a redeemable quality, but it's a, if, it, if anything else, that's more motivation to, to just push him farther into the dark to me. And it may. Yeah. It'll be interesting how they, how they decide to play that out, but I really hope they don't, like make them a thing because then that like validates all of his really bad characteristics and 
ooh, you can be evil and dark and brooding, but she'll still love you. I don't like, I don't want that to be a thing. <laughs> I have daughters. I don't need that to be a thing. Right. And I still will admit there are other ways that the, the Skywalker saga can be fulfilled. You know, even if, even when Princess Leia dies or General Leia dies and whatever happens to Kylo Ren happens, Mark Hamill can still fill his role as being the God that leads Ray to rebuild the Jedi order, which is, I mean, that's obviously how we're going to see Luke, right? Is right. Ghost. So in that light, I I'm okay with the Skywalker saga ending that way, but mm-hmm. I still do have questions about what they're going to do with Kylo, which I mean, I think that's the big unanswered question. Um, I think right. that we, because in the last movie, there was a lot of speculation that Ray could turn to the dark side. I never believed that was going to happen. And I think they've closed the door on that. And in in fact, what they may very well, like you already mentioned in the literal closing of the door at the end of that movie is they may have sealed both of their fates. Right. I do think that was the effect they were going for there. I think that was supposed to be the symbolism. We'll see if uh, Abrams decides to be spiteful and undo as many of Ryan Johnson's creative decisions as possible. <laughs> I don't know. Ryan basically ignored all of JJ's. So it's it's going to be interesting. I think um, I still think JJ's the better storyteller, and I don't think he's going to undo things just to undo things. No, I don't think um, so. Man, I don't envy him though. How but would you I do? Mm-hmm. Think he will tell his story the best he can at this point. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's going to just go in there and. And undo things either. You have to you have to make what's going to happen in episode nine make as much sense as you can to the mm-hmm. events of episode eight. I was really just being. What's the most logical continuation? So <laughs> I well, know, but I mean, so do we get to see uh, Chewbacca uh, pile drive anybody in this movie? I hope not. <laughs> that was uncomfortable. Oh man! No, no I thought it was cool. Of oh, course it was you awesome. did. It was awesome. Finally getting to see Chewbacca do the things that, that Wookiees do. Yep. Yeah. See, you know, we finally had it. We had an actor who was capable of it. You know, right. You you hired a, an ex professional athlete in his twenties who happens to be six ten, So, you know, he can, he can pull off a lot of things. Peter Mayhew never could. Right. uh, Which isn't a knock on Peter Mayhew. He created that character so wonderfully. He just wasn't an ex athlete in his twenties. Who was 6'10". <laughs> yeah. Jun- Junus Suatamo has, uh, you know, he spent a lot of time with Peter learning those mannerisms, mm-hmm. how you move, how you actually hold your arms and the way Peter turned his knees in and the way he walked and mm-hmm. and, and actually giving, you know, like, you can't tell. If you go back and watch For- Force Awakens, I dare somebody to try to tell me which scenes are Peter and which scenes are uh, Suatamo. You can't do it. That's no. true. Speaking of, I do notice that Peter Mayhew is not in the cast list. No, Peter Mayhew no, is actually, actually in the hospital. Yeah, he's time. in the hospital. He's actually been in pretty bad shape here uh, lately. I think he had some surgery, and uh, he, surgery. he seems to be recovering. But you know, he's had he's had a lot of physical problems for yeah. for a number of years yeah. now, and which is common to people of his size, mm-hmm. right? At his age. But no, I th- I think that they've made the transition. I don't yeah. think we'll see. I don't think we'll see Peter back a- as Chewbacca. Um, I-, I think that that's 
something that him and uh, Junis uh, have worked on together to make that transition smoothly. Mm -hmm. And I think they've done it now. Yeah. Well, and when they came back 30 years later and made another Star Wars movie, you really wanted to see as many of the original actors in their roles as possible. But Well, and and on that note, I need more R2 and C-3PO. Yeah, it's true. You can never have enough. R2 especially. R2 has gotten the shaft. He really has. Poor R two. Uh, he had a he had a you know they gave R two a really great scene in the new in episode eight, but that was about it. I want to see R two back in an X wing. Yeah, who who's whose droid can he be? Tell us, love, give us somebody. But it was weird. It was weird though that even in episode eight, it still sort of seemed like he was always just on half power. Like right. he still he still only woke up whenever Luke walked on the Falcon. Right. I, just I don't really understand. What's going on with R2? He's Why the depressed. hell was he sitting there? He was depressed, <laughs> Daniel. Okay. Don't you understand droid depression? It's a real thing. He was, I understand that was actually the explanation C3PO gave us was that he's been on low power mode ever since Master Luke disappeared. But, Dad Gummit, why did he wake up the moment he did and <laughs> give them the other piece of the map? Because the script said R2D2 oh, wakes up. There you go. And oh, by the way, why did he have that one particular piece of the map if Luke was never trying to be freaking found? Tell me that, Ryan Johnson, your story points, the story threads that J.J. left open for you that you ignored. (laughs) Do tell us, Daniel, how do you feel about all of this? You have been really unclear about your feelings. Oh, have I really? No, you you haven't. Nobody out there who's, of the eight people who listen to this podcast, (laughs) none of them or ever question how I feel about episode eight. <laughs> but okay. it did, upon, upon my second watching of that movie, it did move up my list. Really? I, I will, yeah, and it, it does have, we talked about this last week too, I think, or the week before. It did move up my list because I, I came to a little bit more peace with the issues I originally had with it, mm-hmm. but I noticed way more plot holes that I have more issue with now. So I it's think kind, that's it was kind of what kind Andrew of did. It's almost kind of a wash, but mm-hmm. it, it did move up my list a little bit because I realized that having any of the prequels ahead of it was stupid. That was doing that film a major disservice. <laughs> it, it is a it is a better movie than any of the prequels, for sure. So, yeah, I was watching some videos the other day about the fighting in, in the uh, new movies, the, the lightsaber fighting in particular. And uh, I loved the throne room fight scene and this guy pointed out something in it that I will never be able to unsee now. Uh, don't tell me then, because that is my favorite moment <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> All right, I won't tell you. Okay, tell me. All right, the the guard that Ray is fighting that has the the staff weapon that he breaks and you know takes into two pieces, mm-hmm. like two daggers. Yeah. There's a part where he actually gets her in a headlock with one arm, and the dagger in the other hand vanishes. I gotta go back and rewatch. <laughs> that man, stuff happens. It's really unfortunate whenever your when your dagger disappears. Fortunately, it happens so quick in the you know in, in live action, it's hard to notice it. But having seen that, it was like man, that was just lazy. Somebody made a serious mistake in the choreography on that. Well, you know, you know they filmed they filmed those scenes, God knows how many times. Right. And they're going back and. In the editing process, you're taking this moment from this take and that moment from that take. Yeah. And if you come back for a separate take and you sort of forget what hands you had this in or, you know, it's like 
is just like on sitcoms sometimes the characters sitting there eating a pie. Half the pie is gone. The next time you look at the table, it's a full pie. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So um, it's about time to get into the filming location. So real quick, um, there was one big thing that, of course, the, the biggest casting news is that they're going to use footage from 7 and 8 to put Carrie Fisher in this film. I think that was the only thing to do. Oh, I do too. I, I was I was not on board with recasting. No. I would not have been I would not have been terribly hurt if they had decided to give her an ending in the crawl, basically, between mm-hmm. the films. For a while I thought that was best case scenario because initially Kathleen Kennedy totally shot down the idea of having Carrie Fisher in this film, uh, using archive footage. Which I and I think this is another example of a that's another subject. Let's stay on the let's stay on the Carrie Fisher subject, okay. and then we'll get into that. What I was just going to say. Go ahead. Okay, so you know this, of course, was done with the blessing of her brother and her daughter, and her brother gives all the credit to J.J. Abrams for making this happen. Who man, that's that's big, and that's got to be a big commitment to to commit to having a story that works and still use. Foot, you know, already shot footage that there's no tweaking as much as these movies like to go back and reshoot and, and, and move things around. That's, that's a big commitment. I think he shot a lot of stuff with her for seven in particular that was never used. That's true. Um, and I'm sure there was stuff from eight as well. You know, they, I'm sure they've got footage. I doubt she's going to be in the movie a whole lot. Yeah, probably not. No, I don't think so either. But, but I am, I am glad she's going to be. Um, she needs she you know the the character and of course in line with honoring the actress as much as you can that character needs to be in this movie uh for the amount of time it takes to give her a proper respectful send-off i agree Uh, i actually originally kind of thought the best thing to do would have been to maybe rework episode eight which that ship has sailed I think you could have reworked episode eight, even if it took some reshoots and uh, had her die mm-hmm. some way in episode eight. Right. That would have made sense. And, and maybe let Luke live. It's kind of your idea was to sort of carry on each of the three characters mm-hmm. through the films. But I, I mean, I, I understand why they didn't. And if they can make this work, then, then I do think it's the right thing to do. I'm like you. I was never on board with recasting. Even when names like Meryl Streep come up, it's like, no, let's not do that. Right. And I'm entirely sure how Meryl Streep felt about that. Her and Carrie were notorious, notoriously very good friends. So I'm not, I'm just not sure how you make any of that work. I kind of thought we were going to, going to have episode nine open with her funeral. I really did too. That's kind of what I expected. Which, you know, and I kind of thought that would have been a good way to do it. So I have no idea what they have in store for, but if you can do some sort of fitting send off for this character and of course the actress and still use her performance, then I think that is absolutely the best thing to do. Oh, absolutely. And I think overall, that's probably what the fans wanted. I think it's good for the fans. uh, And I think it's good for the original cast that was there with her. Uh, Mark Hamill in particular had been very outspoken against recasting. And you know what else I would love to see while we're on the subject? If there's any unused footage of Leia and Han together, uh, I would, I would love that. So we'll, we'll see. Of course, you know, Harrison Ford wasn't on the cast list, but I don't guess he has to be. If they're just going to use unused footage, right? You know, well, they, yeah, they need to to use his image, but is he really not going to give it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, 
But there, there could be all sorts of people that aren't on this cast list that could show up. Because as we have already established, J.J. Abrams, he likes his secrets. Right. And they're going to start shooting tomorrow, so we'll, 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 know, we'll know more about who's on set and who's not. So. Yeah. When all the, the paparazzi gets in there with their, you know, long-range telephoto lenses taking pictures <laughs> of what's going on. Yeah. They don't they don't get a lot of a Star Wars movie though, but That's they true. don't. You, you'll start hearing rumors though, at least about who's on set and who's not. May not get any pictures, but <laughs> we'll see. I read somewhere that they've got the crew using uh, antiquated cell phones, <laughs> so they can't take pictures. Right, exactly. That's to try to epic. As many leaks as possible. That's pretty funny. I did see. I'm trying to remember who it was was talking about. I think it may have been J.J. Abrams whenever he went in, whenever they were recording the soundtrack. And he's like, and I was like, you know, he was recording it on his cell phone. And he said whenever they got done recording it, they realized that he had footage. They, like, confiscated his phone and made him, del- like, made, you know, sat there and watched him, made him delete all the stuff off of it. Then got on and deleted all the backups. And that. <laughs> No, I, I am happy that's the route they're going to go for Leia. So we'll, we'll see how they make it work. I would have been, I think most of the fans would have understood if we had opened with her funeral, though. I mean, yeah, would have made sense. But mm-hmm. So I'm hoping if they've made this decision, they have something very fitting in mind. I think so. And I think that, I, I, I think, I think that I'm, of all the things that I'm apprehensive about for the next movie, that's not one of them. I feel confident right. that everybody is concerned enough about doing that right that I'm really not worried about that one. I was going to say, you mentioned earlier about Kathleen Kennedy being adamant about the fact that they weren't going to use any of the footage and she wasn't going to appear and and all this kind of stuff. And now her brother has given a lot of credit to J.J. Abrams for making this happen. I just wonder, piggybacking off of that thought, how much credence this lends to the idea of Disney losing some faith in Kathleen and maybe some of the decision-making is some more of the decision-making is being taken out of her hands. It's possible. It's also possible. I I think that a lot of what she said when she originally said that was right after, uh, right after Carrie's passing. Right. And it it might have just been, yeah, it might've just been the official line because, you know, at that point we didn't know who was living through episode eight. And so it could have just been the official line was that, you know, they wouldn't be using archive footage for her character. It could be either one. Um, and I guess we'll continue to see as we progress. Uh, got a year and a half almost until the, uh, <clears throat> until episode nine comes out. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of, uh, a lot of rumors between now and then. And we will right. talk about all of them. <laughs> Uh, but the other thing that we've already kind of talked about it a little bit, but the other thing we wanted to get into tonight was uh, some of these filming locations. The first one I'll, I'll bring up was the one that I brought up a couple of weeks ago. and Everyone was really And then I just, you know, heard about. crickets. <laughs> um, yeah, it was the Cardington Sheds. You know, they're definitely filming there, and it's starting to look like it might be Yavin again. The rumors about Yavin actually don't, most of them involve them being outside, which all that stuff was shot in Central America somewhere. The sheds were basically used for the hangar interior. So 
just curious to see what all we see. And they could be filming a lot more of the movie there than that as well. It's just, it's such a big place and it's, it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to get eyes on anything that's going on out there. Well, that's the other advantage to them. You can shut the doors and no one can see what you're doing. It's not like, you know, a big location shot, you know, outside. Right. So, of course, the first one was Cardington Sheds. Looks like we're going back to Yavin. And we've already, I won't get into that because we've already discussed some of the things that could be going on there. Um, Although the rumors here, I will mention, um, do appear to involve uh, Ray, Finn, and Poe together. Mm -hmm. Uh, which, of course, is what we've already talked about that we want to see. We, we want to see more of that. Or and I don't some think we're the only ones. I think that's pretty pretty common thing for people to be, you know, kind of ready to see. Right. right. Well, if they, are, if they are our new trio of heroes, then we need to see, we need to see them together. Um, so the other place is in, right in Italy, a volcano in Italy. Yes, this is all I want you to get to. Yes, this is the one, um, which is where they shot, bum, 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 tell us. Mustafar. 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 Could we be going back to Mustafar? Vader's castle. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And that would be. I want as much Vader's castle scenes as I can get. I ain't going to lie. Oh, absolutely. But who's going? Uh, Kylo Ren. We're going to open up with Kylo Ren and Vader's castle? Yep. Yeah, we have we have back the screenwriter and director who was playing up the fact in Force Awakens that he was so obsessed with Vader. We're we're gonna we're we're absolutely fixing to get that side of Kylo back. Especially now that he doesn't have any sort of base of operations is almost far. I think I I think it's I think he has taken Vader's castle. And we're gonna we're gonna see as much as Mustafar and Vader's castle as we can get. You know, of course, like we already talked about, there's apparently 872 locations on this film. <laughs> so how much screen time it can get, I don't know. But I I love Mustafar. That's just a cool location to me. Oh yeah, and it it so fits what mm-hmm. you think of as a dark side planet. And I, I I think that's where we see Kylo. It makes sense to me that Vader's castle is some sort of base of operations for. Supreme leader Ren at this point. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's, I mean, and now I'm not going to say I don't necessarily think that we don't see other people show up there mm-hmm. for some reason or other, but I think that he's. Oh, yeah, we will. We probably will. But, um, okay, so here's a question I meant to get to in casting, but it involves this particular location. Is it possible that one of these people that's not on this cast list is Hayden Christensen? Yes. <sighs> We know how you feel about the prequels, Daniel. Okay, but what if what if we see? I mean, Hayden Christensen can act. He's done it in lots of things. Well, define act. No, I'm 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 being facetious there. He's not a terrible actor and everything else. No. Uh, so what would it be worth him showing up with a different writer, a different director? Do? Right. But in what capacity does that make sense? I mean, and I'm because, being serious. What, because what's on your mind? I have wanted since episode seven was announced with, well, not since it was announced, but during the movie with, with Kylo Ren's obsession with his grandfather. And there was almost a seeming belief that he, at least in his head had communicated with Darth Vader. It never made sense to me because of, well, if no. Anakin turned back to the light before he died, wouldn't his force ghost be telling Ben, hey, look, you're crazy? Right, yes. but Ben doesn't know that. And so I wonder if that wasn't another trick played by Snoke 
I suspect it was. Uh, yeah. And that we might, in the setting of Vader's castle, see the actual see him have an actual interaction with Anakin Skywalker. Yes, that's what I want. Is this another one down. of your? Is this another one of your Kylo turning back to light side motivations? This, Not this, necessarily, this I, because I mean he could always reject reality. That's kind of what he's done already. But I'm all on board for seeing Hayden Christensen have a chance to come back and redeem himself. And actually, um, though, I will tell you that there's a uh, maybe, too, though. Do you not have to be in touch with the light side of the force in some way to even communicate with the force ghost? That's the thing. We don't know enough about force ghosts. Did, um, maybe there, that's the explanation there. Well, but he and he does also say that he he feels a pull to the light. You know, that he can't get away from it. He keeps trying to downplay it and escape from it. But, you know, so maybe that could be like a, a moment. So I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that that's how he's going to come back to the light. But I would like to see the interaction between Kylo, between Kylo and, and Anakin. Uh, and I'm not hating on Aiden Christensen. I just don't. I'm not sure what purpose that serves at this point whenever we've. I think if Kylo were communicating with with anakin anakin in some way would have seen it already will we see any other force ghosts besides luke obi-wan we want to see obi-wan we heard obi-wan talk i mean personally since luke did die you know ever since that as much as i didn't want that to happen we want to see him powwow i want to see him in council with obi-wan yoda and anakin and anakin put me down for that too don't put daniel down for that Hey, Daniel. I said, that's an idea. Yeah. That one hadn't occurred to me. I want to know more about uh, the, about Force Ghost. I mean, that's the thing. We don't know a lot about them, but we did learn that uh, they can at least to some extent manipulate the real world. True. Or can they only m- manipulate which the real was a world? Shocker, and- which was a cool moment, but I'm still not sure I like it. It's it's one of those things. Could he manipulate that place because? Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Because it was he's manipulating the real world, or because that place was so powerful with the force. Yeah, I don't know, I'm not sure. I like the idea that it's possible. It was a cool moment in the movie, but I'm not I'm not sure what I if I like what it kind of does to the. I don't know. Well, it's fleshing out. You know, it's a little piece of something that they really have never filled us in on. So we'll see if they go any further with that. And uh, it looks like we have one last location uh, that was announced or leaked today is Jordan. Jordan has been the site of two different things. It's where they initially intended to shoot Jakku until um, another country, Abu Dhabi, gave them a better deal to go shoot there. It's also where Jeddah was shot for Rogue One. So right. what is the likelihood we're revisiting either of those locations? It just depends on the uh, kind of where the part of the story goes with Ray. I think. Either one of those locations is going to center around Ray. If she, if she decides to return to Jakku for some reason, which at this point, why wouldn't they just shoot Jakku in Abu Dhabi again? So I think the most likely explanation would be that she goes to Jeddah because if she's on some sort of quest to learn as much as she can about the Jedi order mm-hmm. yep. so she can someday rebuild it. She's after Kyber you know, maybe or that's, something. Maybe that's our closing scene actually is her on Jedha and she finds something that, that confirms to the audience that she's rebuilding the Jedi order. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be curious to see how they do that and where they go and how far we progress in this movie with any kind of rebuilding of the Jedi order. It, right, and it, it may also, 
like Marisha just mentioned, uh, Kyber crystals. Yep. You know, she may she may also be returning there to to uh, to find a, a crystal to repair Luke's lightsaber or build her new one. So there's you know there's all kinds of possibilities of why we may be shooting Jeddah there and why Ray would be going back to Jeddah or going to Jeddah. Yeah, there's a couple I, I, things there that make sense. Right. Yeah. I certainly. I mean, I think it's possible that they could go back to Jakku just because if you haven't read the Aftermath trilogy, it's a pretty important place, but I think I'd rather see them go to Jeddah. I think so. Because yeah. we spent the first two movies being like, don't go back to Jakku. There's nothing for you there. That was pretty much the only consistent thing that everybody tells her is there's nothing left for you there. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't really think we're going to see Jakku again either. And again, even if we are, why not shoot it in Abu Dhabi again? I think uh, I think if we're if we're going back to either location we've seen before, it's gonna be Jeddah. That just you know once again it it just does seem like there's potentially a lot of different places that they're looking to go in, in this film, which mm-hmm. it's gonna be more. You know, the original movies were all kind of based on a three location uh, set, and they were mm-hmm. all different. Hoth, Dagobah. Well, you know, Death in the Star. first one, you had a desert, you had the Death Star, and you had Yavin. Mm-hmm. So you always had kind of three very distinct biomes mm-hmm. that that were used. Of course, this one is something different because, like we already said, you know, they've they've promised that this movie will tie the entire saga together. So it does make sense that they might visit more locations. Mm-hmm. It's just how do you do it without everything feeling rushed? and compressed to the point where you feel like you went to a place, it goes by so quick that you're going, why did you put that in there? And it's a lot of time and effort and money to travel to all these different locations, set up and shoot. And uh, Especially honestly, when, a, when a movie the, like this takes so much post-production time, there's only so much time you can spend in principal photography. It's true. And, and of course, of the places that I would have liked to have seen somebody go back to, the one that hasn't come up yet, and anything and apparently that going to is I uh, tattooing to some extent I'd kind of like to see it bookended with with a beginning and an end there we did see twin sons we did see the twin sons as, as Luke dissipated yeah whatever Luke did <laughs> yeah I'm not sure we have any reason left to go back to tattooing yeah probably Nostalgia. not not really not unless they've come up with a new reason or unless they cherry pick from uh, the old EU. Tatooine was kind of a critical point for a lot of things in the old Republic era, but I seriously doubt they're going to do that in this movie. All right. Well, that pretty much covers everything we've got for tonight, unless anybody's got anything they wanted to add before we wrap up. I got I got one more news item. Okay. It's comic book related again. So, Because you're the resident the comic person. Oh, I, yeah, I reckon. Another series has been announced. It really is three different series, uh, Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, and Age of Resistance, Hmm. uh, which are going to be published in December. They're going to make up a 30-issue maxi-series. I would assume what's going to happen is these three series are going to be 10 issues apiece. The first one written by Jody Hauser, Greg Pak will be handling Age of Rebellion, and Tom Taylor, Age of Resistance. So obviously, of course, those are going to cover our three main eras in the... uh, and the Star Wars saga. That's and cool. I, the, the one there, though, I'm the most excited about is going to be Age of Rebellion because of Greg Pak. Anybody out there with any 
sort of uh, comic book background, we recognize Greg Pak's name as the the writer of the Planet Hulk storyline in The Incredible oh. Hulk, which is, if, if nobody's read Planet Hulk, go buy Planet Hulk and read it. It's a fantastic story. Don't let Thor Ragnarok let you think you know anything about that story because you don't. Now, I'm really excited about anything he writes. He's a big Even deal. though we've seen, yeah. We don't know a lot of details about any of these series yet. Of course, we've seen all three of these eras in the movie before, and the, the current series is of comic books are mostly covering the rebellion period right now, so I'm not sure what that book's going to be about, but if he's writing it, I will read it. That's so an awfully those, big galaxy, though. There's a lot of other stories to is. tell. There is. It's true. So, but, but look for those in December. Those three series will be, should be coming out, I would assume, probably back-to-back -back with each other. Awesome. Well, hopefully so, uh, Robbie will be back with us next week. Uh, Robbie's gone out to Arizona on an Ewok hunt, although it seems like he'd be more likely to find Jawas there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure the Jawas drive Jawas past our house and people. pick up stuff. So and, in, in, in all seriousness... Like we live on a busy street, and so I put things if things I just want gone from the house, yep. I just put them by the street and they disappear. And well, I just recently moved, so I have a lot of experience with that myself. Well, and my my nephew believes for some reason that uh, the reason things disappear is because I put them out there and the Jawas pick them up. And by for some reason he means because he straight out told him that the Jawas were taking the things. That makes sense to me, man. Yep. They're junk traders, right? Yep. They're like they're the they're the American pickers of the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Buy and resell. Well, I just want to do that as a YouTube series now. The American pictures yeah. of the galaxy. <laughs> All right. I think that's gonna wrap us up for tonight. And uh Daniel, you wanna sign right. us out? Yep, that'll do it for us tonight. Uh Marisha, where people can find you on the internet. I am Princesses and Padawans on Instagram, and that's really the only thing I currently do much on. Although you can also find me at princessandpadawans.com, where I occasionally post things about costumes. Awesome. Andrew? All right. You can find me on Twitter at darklighter580 or at thesciencefictionary.com. All right. And uh, look for me on Twitter at Dan C. Peeps, and be sure to visit thesciencefictionary.com and follow us on Twitter on Twitter at Psy underscore Fictionary. Until next time, remember, never tell me the odds, and may the Force be with you.